Welcome back, everyone, and what a glorious welcome back it is. It's officially week one in college football. We'll introduce a new segment and dive into the marquee matchups of the upcoming weekend and give out some win totals, playoff picks, and a quick game-by-game -game prediction for Penn State. But first, we'll talk some golf, put a bow on the NFL preseason, and give our thoughts on the New York Mets dilemma with their fans. Don't forget this episode is brought to you by Shamrock Sun. If you're tired of running out of sunscreen too soon, they've got you covered. Go to shamrocksun.com and enter promo code SHADE in all caps when you're ready to pull the trigger on one of their big-ass bottles of sunscreen. It's on. Here we go. Episode 5. Thoughts from the Shade. What's happening, Bomb? What's up, G? How we feeling? Uh, feeling good. <laughs> feeling good. Feeling better than I was uh, Saturday after a night out at Secrets and out grinding in this humidity all weekend down in, uh, in Delaware and Ocean City, Maryland. So the recovery is almost almost complete. Um, got a good night's sleep last night and back in the greater Philadelphia area. So feel good. Give us the rundown. You, you were down in the, in Maryland. What went down down there? Yeah, down in, uh, down in Selbyville, Delaware. Stayed in, in Bayside. It's a community. A uh, couple, couple of my friends have folks that, that live down there and they're, they're kind enough to to let a few of the boys come down every summer and hack away and misbehave. So we went down Thursday night, uh, got some rest, waited for the rest of the crew to roll in and hit our first round of golf Friday afternoon at uh, the links at Lighthouse Sound. Very nice golf course right across uh, the bay from Ocean City, Maryland. So a lot of nice views out there, a uh, little bit of water, a little bit of trouble, but Definitely not the hardest course of the weekend. Everybody had a pretty good day there. Uh, me personally, I think I put up 95. A couple pars mixed in a birdie and then uh, a couple blow-ups. So it's kind of typical for, for beach golf with all the, all the water and uh, hazards. A couple, couple penalty strokes in there. And this is coming off of the Miracle in Monaco. Coming off the Miracle in Monaco, yeah. I didn't, I didn't play since, since the Miracle. Got like one range session in and jetted down south, a little way south to to just to just tee it with the guys. So now some of your playing partners have been floating a theory that you've escaped to these beach courses to further inflate the handicap after the exceptional score. Some of my playing partners, you mean just strictly you? Is this, there, is is what, there, this is what you said last week. Is there any truth to that rumor? The fact that, you know, like Afghanistan's president, you leave the region and just, you know, basically don't even want to put up a fight. You surrender. No, I don't surrender. I have, uh, I've, I have the calendar blocked off. You know, as as some people like to think, my 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 life and my golf game doesn't revolve around playing just with them. Uh, <laughs> Although, although I can be a bit of an ATM out there sometimes, I know people like to play with me, <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not dodging, 
this event is on the books every year. But um, we I didn't mean to cut you off. All I'm saying is we we missed our August stimulus check from from G. <laughs> well, there's always September, October, November. Fall golf is the best. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, some cooler weather because we were we were sweating down there. But yeah, we wrapped up at Lighthouse and went back, hit the showers, got a quick bite, and uh, got a ride into in the Ocean City, Maryland, for a night at Secrets. What a place! I mean. I can't really hang anymore, and and I don't like to to do too much partying or get get too rowdy. But but that place and and seven of your buddies will uh, will bring it out of you. So we headed into the uh, the nightclub area and had the vodka waters going, a couple green tea shots, and this band playing is always there uh, when we go. They're called Gypsy Wisdom. They are from Delco, I believe, a, a, a local band and. They put on a good show, play the hits, and, and get everybody fired up. So, so that was a good time. Um, and then Saturday, woke up in a world of hurt. Everybody was struggling, and we played Bayside uh, Golf Course that afternoon. Immaculate place, uh, new clubhouse, driving range, and and you know upgraded facilities and whatnot. So we got taken care of there. It was super nice, uh, but the golf course is extremely hard. And uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is one of the guys, one of these animals that I went down there with, I see him getting changed in the house. He comes out of the bathroom with white, tight pants on for Bayside. Now, mind you, it's about, it's probably 90 degrees weather channel app says it feels like 103. It's got to be, you know, 80 to 90% humidity. This guy's wearing white pants. For golf on Saturday. Hey man, Labor Day. Labor Day is not here yet. The white pants still fly, baby. They still fly for a few more days here, but uh, I couldn't believe it. And the funny thing is, is he was really hurting the worst out of all of us. So for for a lack of a better word, uh, there were there were multiple pit stops. Now I wasn't in his group, but this is what I was told. There were multiple stops out on the the golf course at Bayside. For him to to kind of go Joel and beat and, and go hard to the hole, if you know what I'm saying, uh, multiple stops what out there. What I'm trying to say is he uh, he took a risk. Paul Pierce would not have worn those. Yeah, but uh, he came out unscathed. I mean, he was he was hurting and battling, but there were there was no stainage, luckily, and we got back to the house. In one piece, despite uh, all of us getting absolutely torched by this course, there's water on every hole, uh, very tight, um, but it, it is a beautiful course, and, and it's fun. And it's called Bayside? It's called Bayside, yeah. Would have never thought there's water. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, even we have we had two, two single-digit handicaps in the group, and they were both in the 90s, so, you know, I don't feel, feel too bad about my, my 110 or 115 or whatever it got to. I, I couldn't do the math anymore. But laid low Saturday night and then got back, got back out there Sunday morning on the way home at Baywood Greens Golf Course in Long Neck, Delaware. Very nice track. Probably the nicest of the weekend. Definitely a little, little bit easier than Bayside. And, you know, we, we bounced back. We battled, battled out for another, another 95 out there. Had a little par streak going, 8, 9, 10, 11. So did some good things Friday and Sunday. Saturday was a complete disaster, but just good to be out there hacking away, having a few drinks and and a whole whole lot of laughs. We had balls going backwards, sideways, 
Handicaps going up before you get to play your playing partners. Had a great time. Handicaps up just 0.9 after the weekend. So that's a stroke, baby. <laughs> one shot. One shot. One shot. We want one that sh- retroactive shot. We, yeah. We're, we we want to play a pre Bayside G. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll give it to you as charity. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to mention now this this Baywood Greens is a is a beautiful place. And they pop you on a Sunday morning for 130 bucks, but they get you like an army ranger, you know, getting you in the carts, getting you to the first tee. There's there's no time for for dilly dallying or hitting balls on the range. Even we had 20 minutes to our tee time, and these guys are getting us in line in these carts and getting us over to the first tee. And meanwhile, we just sit there and wait for the group ahead, and then we get to the turn. Now this 130 bucks, remember. 130 bucks for this round. We get to the turn halfway house. It was an early round, so nobody ate before. And we get to this halfway house. There's nobody in there. You know, we're looking for a couple dogs or something, right? And I called the pro shop. Phone just rang for, you know, a minute. So I was like, all right, I'm starving. Like, I can't play the rest of this round if I don't eat. Boozed out, starving. I need some fuel. So I drive to the halfway house at, like, the, the main clubhouse. This guy's just sitting there with his back turned, looking at his phone, and he he hears me and and, and my buddy, and he turns around and goes, "What do you guys want?" And I'm I must have like said um or like you know hesitated for for three seconds, and this guy goes, "Well, if you want something, you got to tell me what you want." He was like real nasty. So Baywood Greens is is very nice staff, not the friendliest, especially when you're getting wow. pumped for for a big ticket, but. Had to throw that out there because. Did, did you leave that review on Yelp? Yeah, I'll have to get on Yelp because uh, <laughs> didn't sit well with any of us. But got the just the golf solely is is pretty cool there, and everybody had a a much better day there Sunday than we had on on Saturday. So that was it. We we jetted up to PA and rested last night, and that's it. You know, another week. And we'll get some work in through the week, playing in, in Sea Isle next week, and the season the season rolls along. Out of Dodge once again, the season rolls along. Yeah, out of, out of Dodge. I always make time for you, Bomb. I'm I'm actually excited to play with you because I was receiving some some text message screenshots from some golf app of 300 yard tee shots of yours so so what what's going on is can we have you actually earned the title of bomb now it's earned it's not given we have totally we've totally re-engineered this bomb this thing is ready to detonate was over at golf tech today coach tyler was impressed some may say even thrilled with the progress and uh really he was comparing it almost like a dechambeau level of power Wow. Off the, coming out off the tee box. And he said, look, you know, you put on another 70 pounds, you're right there with him. So that's why you're eating dessert every time I hop on this uh, this call with you? It's bulking season, baby. But no, nah, hit, hit, uh, hit a couple bad ones, a couple good ones. We, we have finally figured out that uh, getting that club face shut, closed, and swinging out and to the, uh, to the left as a lefty is going to help that ball turn over right. So... Yeah, we, we had some some looks at, at Lulu Country Club that we've never had before. Let me tell you, 
when your ball shape goes one way your entire life and then it starts going the other way, you're looking at the course totally different. So that that uh, street on on 18 didn't even see it. Didn't even see it. We're starting it off left. That's a beautiful thing, man. Although I've seen you hit some some legendary cuts out over lime kiln and back into the center <laughs> of the fairway. It's, it's really impressive stuff, but I'm happy that you're hitting it long and straight, man. It's good stuff, and I got to try to see it before before I go on vacation, or maybe we'll get you down for a day on vacation because wow, there, there's there's been a lot of heat coming my way since the cap went down a little bit that I'm <laughs> that I'm running. But don't I think the only people that are running are all these people that are reaching out to me to play. Everybody wants to play me now because they're they're going to be getting strokes. So we'll 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 get something dialed up on the calendar and and have a look at at everybody's new and improving game. Just in time for the end of the year, we're all getting better now, right? That's how it always works. All right. So do you want to? round out the the Eagles preseason next. I mean, did did we win the week? We didn't win the game. We didn't win a game in the preseason. 0-2 and 1, I believe. I didn't even take a look at the last preseason game. I feel like the only thing of note that happened was was the Minshew trade. The Eagles acquired Garner Minshew for a sixth that could be a fifth. I guess they were tired of of looking at Joe Flacco and they were thinking of me. Um, watching Joe Flacco this year, if Hertz went down, that, that that would be completely unbearable. So thank you, Howie. At least Minshew is, is serviceable. He's put up decent numbers and on a terrible Jacksonville team the last few years. Um, obviously fell out of favor with Trevor Lawrence being the future in Jacksonville. Um, Bob, any thoughts on the Minshew acquisition? Yeah, it's a great deal. Keep back up under control next year, so... Whether he's the two or the three this year, we know Flacco's here on a one-year deal. And uh, to be able to have a young guy as your backup, still pretty cheap, you know, I think is a great thing, it's particularly with the Wentz cap hit coming off the books. So you're going to have a very, very cheap and affordable quarterback room next year. My biggest bone to pick is with the media, saying this is now an indictment of Jalen Hurts. I mean, who in the world thinks this guy Minshew is going to come here and then two weeks learn the playbook. Like, what what planet are we on? And, uh, you know, in, in my opinion, Eagles fans, the same ones that were pounding the table, crying about Carson Wentz not being afforded the, uh, you know, the ability to be the only quarterback in the room. They're, they're, they sure are very silent right now. I mean, is Jalen Hurts going to take his ball and go home? Is he going to demand a trade now? I'm not hearing anything on, on that front. I don't think that this this messes with Hurts whatsoever. I think he he is what he is, and he he's gonna be what what he's gonna be this year. And if we need to see see Garner, then he obviously wasn't good enough. But I don't think he's the the kind of guy that's gonna blame a poor performance on the fact that that we brought in a more serviceable backup. Well, it goes to show you how much of a head case Wentz is. Absolutely, and I think I saw today that that Wentz. Wentz is now on the, the COVID protocol list uh, out in Indianapolis. Yeah, it's shocking. I mean, he, he was asked if he was vaccinated during training camp, and he said it was a personal decision. And, you know, for me, seeing the news that now he's on the COVID list, um, normally he's the type of guy that likes to take a shot when it's covered. And for him to not take this shot when it's fully covered by his insurance is uh, really something that's shocking. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. 
you know, we'll, we'll see if he's able to, you know, still get on the tractor, be away from the team, I think for anywhere from five to 10 days, should be plenty of time to get in a preseason hunting trip, provided he's able to isolate on his property. Excited to see him get away from work and hopefully get a, a fresh perspective when he comes back. Hopefully to a new starting quarterback in Jacob Eason. Yeah, I mean, as long as as long as he's uh, all right health wise, I think I think it'll be a positive for him, him personally and in Wentz's world. The dogs will be walked six times a day. You know, they'll be doing training, running routes towards ducks, you know, unlike the stuff he does with his wide receivers. So, um, you know, T.Y. Hilton's out. He's got a he's got a disc issue. The excuses are piling up very, very quickly for number two out in Indianapolis. We're going to hear a little bit about how he's going to have a long hauler symptoms from COVID. We're going to hear about how he doesn't have his number one weapon in T.Y. Hilton. Uh, The the excuses just continue to pile up. The guy has not even played a game yet in that blue uniform. And I am so excited that his drama, his circus is out of this town. It never ends. And not only Hilton going out with the... The neck thing, but I believe the two other Colts on the COVID list was Pascal, the receiver, and then I believe the other the other guy was an offensive lineman. So the excuses are are certainly there for two for two now to uh, to pile up and, and fall back on when when he's not out there or when he's throwing picks like he was last year. Can we touch on this this Mets thing real fast? Did you see that? <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> is that is that the most asinine thing that you've ever seen? So for anyone that hasn't seen, the New York Mets players are now giving thumbs downs to each other, you know, after a big base hit or a home run or anything good happens. You know how the Phillies have the sombrero and the, the rock and roll two finger symbol, whatever the hell that thing's called. Well, the Mets, when they do something good, they're giving thumbs down to each other and out to the fans. And they said that they're doing it because the fans boo when they don't play well. So when they do play well, they're booing back at the fans. It just it makes no sense. And I don't know how you could take this as a Mets fan. Like, I would, I'd be done for the year. I'd be done until a lot of those guys are gone. It's just it's completely absurd. The people that that pay their hard-earned money to come watch you play and and jack up your paycheck, and and that's the thanks that they get. I just think it's hilarious because it's not my team, but also a complete disgrace from these athletes. Well, look, I'm I'm no fan of of Mets fans, but you know anyone who says they're not passionate and at least don't know baseball or, or out of their minds, they're a fan base that, you know, hasn't seen a lot, a lot of winning has seen, you know, their, their fair share of heartbreak over the years. I mean, just earlier this month, maybe three or four weeks ago, they were swept by the Phillies as part of a one and nine stretch, which saw the Mets fall to just one game over 500 at the time. And you have polar bear Pete, Pete Alonzo standing in front of the media, giving a pep talk to the people of New York saying, don't just believe. No. I mean, cut me a break, pal. You know, this team has been so bad. The owner went out and got added bias. Bias, I read something crazy today. That, like, you look at his 
uh, strikeout to walks ratio. And he's got like his last, and I forget how many at bats, 200 plus strikeouts and 24 walks. And there's that video of him swinging at that changeup or off speed pitch. He was like 10 minutes in front of the pitch. And suddenly when he hits a double, he's giving the thumbs down. If I was a fan, I would be fuming right now. Yeah, I'm surprised there hasn't been like bottles or anything thrown on that field. But I guess when the thumbs downs are out, they're playing well. So that doesn't that doesn't give the fans anything to be too upset about. I don't know. The whole thing is just totally ass backwards. But I figured I would throw it out there and get your thoughts because it's pretty comical. Don't just believe. No. Yeah, what does that even mean? It was, I guess, Pete's rallying cry to the fans. You know, you can't, don't just believe in this team. Know that we're going to get it done. Meanwhile, three weeks later, they're giving their fans thumbs down. Might as yeah. well just throw, throw the bird up to the fans in the stadium. Be, be a man and actually tell everybody how you feel rather than throwing a thumbs down, a little inside joke. They're all, you know, the Phillies do the same kind of crap. Everybody's dancing and hooting and hollering and slapping hands and doing little doing little, uh, you know, dances anytime anybody hits a double and they're down 7-1. When did baseball become this thing? It's pathetic. It's honestly kind of childish in a way. Like, it's it's cool to, to have fun and, and do fun things when you're winning and you're having success and, you know, little superstitions or traditions or whatever. Like, that's that's all good. But, like, a lot of this stuff just feels so childish out of, out of grown men playing, you know, a man's game, America's pastime, and this is what it's come to. It's it's just bizarre altogether. We'll jump over now. Summer is, is coming to an end, which sometimes is a sad thing, but uh, not for us. As a, as a football fan, you look forward to the beginning of September, and this weekend it's finally here. Some of the games have already kicked off, but we're looking at a, a very nice opening slate on Saturday of college football. It's finally here, and we're, and we're ready to rock. And I guess I, I got to put this out there. It's un- unfortunate for me. I will not be able to enjoy the full slate of games on Saturday. Whoa. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's unfortunate. But I'm heading to a wedding. Good- oh. God, who plans a wedding for week one of college football? It's, uh, that's, that's the million-dollar question. Uh, I can't answer it. But, you know, not, not everybody uh, sees, sees life in the same light as you and I, Bomb. But not everybody bleeds blue and white like you? Not everybody bleeds blue and white or bleeds for, for CFB and, and NFL action. And it is what it is. I had... Uh, I had a, a, a nice weekend away with the guys, so this is this is one I can't. I'm not going to win this one. I'm, for the second week in a row on this show, I'm, I'm I'm taking it on the chin. But that doesn't mean we can't we can't talk about it and, and get ready to go here. Well, you better. All I got to say is, if you can't watch football, you better at least be wearing that damn suit. So the next time you go out and play golf, we're looking at another eighty. Well, I think that was the problem with the weekend. Was I, I didn't bring the suit down. We didn't. <laughs> We, we didn't we didn't have the suit in the car the luggage we weren't ready to hand it out to the low guy on the weekend and, and that certainly wasn't me so we we might have to bring the suit back out this weekend i haven't chosen my attire for this wedding but uh now that suit jacket is definitely being looked it's in the at mix. 
it's it's in the mix. It's being looked at. It's being evaluated. We'll see if it makes the the fifty three man roster this weekend. If you wear that this weekend and you go low again next week, we might be looking at a Colin Morikawa situation where now you roll up in like a blazer and your suit for like every round you play as if you're walking into like an NFL stadium. Might have to be done. Anyway, college football, we're back. And I think we're going to we're going to introduce a, a new segment here, given that it is football season and we we do like to wager on the games. It's important to note that this is not financial advice. We are not experts. <laughs> uh, we are we are guys that are that are vegetables on Saturdays and Sundays in the fall and winter that just like to throw a little cash around. So without further ado, this is this is fade the shade because we don't always win. We probably lose more than we win. Or I'll speak for myself, Bob. I don't know about you. But, you know, we're just we're just average guys enjoying the game and, and having fun betting on it. So looking at the slate on Saturday. Great, great slate for gr- week one. Great opening day slate. A lot of top 25 matchups. And, and granted, the rankings aren't always spot on early in the year to start. But uh, 12 o'clock, the Penn State and Indy Lions ranked 19th in the preseason AP poll. Headed out to, to Camp Randall to take on the 12th ranked Wisconsin Badgers. Badgers are a four and a half point favorite. Bomb, do you have a do you have a lean? Do you have a selection? What do you see happening in this game? Well, I read today that Wisconsin is actually going to be striping out Camp Randall. Saw so that as well. For those of you who aren't aware, it's like their white out type of thing. They stripe it out and they got the red and the white. The last time they striped out Camp Randall was 2019 against Michigan. Clearly, they didn't have an opportunity to do it last year with COVID. At that time of the stripe out, Wisconsin was ranked 13th. Michigan was ranked 11th when Wisconsin blew them out 35 to 14. Lay the points here. Take Wisconsin and cash the check. There's just no doubt in my mind that they crush Penn State, probably by two to three touchdowns while you are picking up a pig in a blanket at a wedding. Wow. I mean, that's a bold pick. Good intel from you. I'll give my thoughts on the game here. I guess it's it's game one. And typically, you know, Penn State's playing Kent State or Akron, you know, in a, in, on a scorcher up in Happy Valley, you know, an easy cupcake in front of the home crowd at, at Beaver Stadium. But but this year they head on the road. They'll be in, in the white on whites and... I just I just can't pick Penn State to win this game as much as I want to see them win. Whoa. I I can't do it. You know, in the the 6 or 7 years that, that we've had Franklin at the helm, we've we've struggled in, in openers. We we took App State to overtime or double overtime whatever that was a few years back. We've played some like 33 to 13 Kent State and Akron games where we were very sloppy preparation and getting guys ready to play I don't think is one of the strengths of this program under Franklin and given that they're they're going on the road to a hostile environment against a team that is very strong on the interior O-line and D-line is always a strength of the Badgers and they take care of the football they they play a very simple game they run the ball they they sustain drives they play good defense they don't turn it over I really don't think it bodes well for Penn State at all. Granted, a lot of people are high on Penn State. A lot of skilled players coming back. The defense 
should be strong with some transfers on the D line and whatnot. But I won't believe it until I see it. And I think this this is a huge game for Penn State. Sets the tone for the season um, because we've seen them in years past when they you know when they lose the big game, they they typically follow it up with another clunker. Um, I think about when Saquon Barkley took the kickoff to the house in 17 at the horseshoe against the Buckeyes. And they end up losing that game, blowing it at the end. And then they go to a rainy East Lansing the next week. You know, there's the rain delay and whatnot. And they lose that game, too, to, to a clearly inferior Michigan State team and spoils all CFP hopes. And that, that was really the year that, that they, they had a chance. Spread-wise, I, I don't know. Can, can they hang in the game? Absolutely. I just can't pick them to win this game, given, given what I've seen for years watching this team. And, and, again, until Franklin proves that he can get these guys ready early in the year and until the quarterback, that's going to be another key for Penn State, until Clifford shows me that, that he can perform in a hostile environment, I can't pick them to win this game. Yeah, and you got to remember, too, when we talk about Penn State and James Franklin, James, James Franklin's aspirations to turn into an elite program. He's not just talking about football. He's not just talking about practice. He's not just talking about the weight room. He's talking about being elite in the classroom and that elite programs have elite players being elite in the classroom. Well, guess what, guys? It's syllabus week. How can you be elite during syllabus week? Wisconsin wins this because, because the Nits were not elite in the classroom. That's probably what we'll hear by 4 p.m. on Saturday after after a loss. But I'm hoping for a win. Obviously, as a fan, I think it would set the tone and, and set the bar high for the year. But I ain't picking them yet. So let's let's move to to the afternoon slate. So you're on you're on Wisconsin outright, or or laying the four and a half. I am I am on it Wisconsin outright. I'm not laying the four and a half. I, I'm gonna just pick Wisconsin to win the game. Wow. But enough on that. 3.30, the defending champion, Alabama Crimson Tide. Nick Saban's boys are headed to the Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta to battle the, the U, the Miami Hurricanes, who I think actually have a nice year ahead of them uh, this year. But I don't think it starts on Saturday at 3.30. Alabama's favored by 18.5 at the moment. I think... Week one, Bama, they always have, they always play some like marquee school, like USC. They got Miami this year, and they put an absolute drubbing on whoever they get, defending the title. It's, it's just simple. I don't, there's no analysis that needs to be done here. Alabama is three or four deep at every position of guys that can play at any other school in the country. They can cover their spread with their third stringers or their walk-ons. I think, like I said, I think Miami has a nice year this year, but it doesn't start Saturday. Alabama will beat the brakes off the Hurricanes. Yeah, my my thoughts are I've seen this movie before too many times. Um, in fact, the game you may be referencing, I was at 2016 Labor Day weekend, Saturday marquee game, USC versus Alabama, and I was goaded into taking the Trojans. I'm sitting in Jerry World. I'm watching the introductions. USC had like an incredible introductory video. The players come out with the USC sword. They slam it into center field. And I'm like, wow, you know, 
And Alabama's just, you know, stretching, getting ready for the game. And I said, you know what? Trojans by 20. I'm taking, I'm taking USC. I'm taking them outright. They're going to knock off the number one Crimson Tide. And they proceeded to take the opening kickoff down the field, go up 3 nothing, and lose the game by a final score of 52-6. to 52-6. And I was on USC outright. I agree with you, Mike. No need to overthink this. It's 18 and a half. If you can get an alternate line, maybe lay 28. I think Alabama wins by 50. Yeah, yeah. Alternate line's a good look there. 27 and a half, 28, something like that. Nick Saban always has the boys ready. They don't they don't mess around. And I don't know if there's any uh assistant coach on the on the Miami staff, because that's really when Saban lays the beat down, but no analysis needed here. This is uh it's Alabama big and and you know they'll keep putting one foot in front of the other and, and mowing people down. The other big game at three thirty is in the Big Ten. You got the Indiana Hoosiers who had a, a nice little breakout year last year. Uh, headed to Kinnick Stadium to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Currently, Iowa is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Do you have a pick or, or, or a feel here, Bob? Yeah, I got a feel. Indiana's supposed to be pretty good this year. Um, I just don't trust that their quarterback's truly healthy. Penix tore his ACL as a freshman in 18. Needed shoulder surgery the next year. Last year, he had a breakout season, blew out his ACL again. Actually, in late November. I mean, talk about a quick turnaround. They're talking about him starting this week. I say take the Hawkeyes. They lost their first two last year before winning, I believe, five or six straight. No look-ahead game. They got Iowa State week two. Clearly a rivalry game against a good Iowa State State team. But this is the opener. They're playing Indiana, ranked team, Big Ten game. I like the Hawkeyes. I think I'm riding with the Hoosiers. I, I love Tom Allen. I love what he's doing with, uh, with the program there. They're, they're certainly trending. Penix definitely, definitely a little injury prone, but I like his game. He gets gets those guys down the field. They have a lot of playmakers at receiver. They're bringing back a lot of starters, both sides of the ball. So, so can definitely can can carry the momentum from last year. And I just look at Iowa. They're they're they never have a ton of skill. Ference is a good coach. They they play good defense. They keep it kind of simple. I think it'll be a tight game. You know the line the line says toss up, but. I'm going to go with with uh, the better quarterback and the, the team with, with a little more talent that's trending and, and take the Hoosiers. And I also think that Indiana's got a cupcake in week two, and Iowa's I got, got the Cyclones, the seventh-ranked Cyclones in week two. So they could be looking ahead as that could be kind of their Super Bowl uh, of the year. In so. week one? Dude, you never know. That Those in-state rivalry games are, are the biggest, oh, you know, the biggest games out of conference. They that's that's always circled on the calendar. I'm going to ride with the Hoosiers. Wow. Yeah, and then at 7.30, this is probably the biggest game of the day, biggest game of the of week one, definitely some some college football playoff implications at Bank of America Stadium, which, which I just learned today. This is being played in Charlotte. Fifth-ranked Georgia Bulldogs head head to North Carolina to take on the Clemson Tigers, Sands, Trevor Lawrence, and Travis Etienne. So two big holes to fill for Clemson. Clemson is a three-point favorite. It's kind of a home game for them. I mean, I guess it's a, a little bigger venue than Death Valley, but I think Clemson will have the, the majority of, of the fans in the building. What do you got here, Bob? 
Yeah, like the dogs outright. I don't. I just don't think Dabo Sweeney knows how to coach guys who aren't amateurs. Now that they're getting that name, image, and likeness money, Georgia supposedly has a great front seven on the defensive side. I think defense always has the advantage early in the season. I say take the three and the dogs. I'm I'm going against you again here. I will always say that the next big game that the University of Georgia wins will be the first. This team just. They never get it done in the big games. They 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 don't win big games. Dabo has established a dominant program at, at Clemson down there. I like the kid that's replacing Trevor Lawrence. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. I believe his first name is DJ. We'll leave it at that. I think DJ saw some time last year, and he looked impressive. And they they just play so damn hard. They have so much talent. Just another team that's loaded two, three deep. And, and Georgia is too, but... I'm I'm sticking to my guns that that Georgia doesn't win big games. They don't win Saturday night. I'm I'm on Clemson. And we'll round it out. We're getting a little bonus bonus game on Sunday at 7:30. This is awesome. Probably the best part about week 1 in college football is we we wait for the NFL. They throw us a bone on Sunday night. Uh 7:30 you got the Notre Dame Fighting Irish ranked ninth in the country preseason heading down to Tallahassee to take on the Seminoles, uh, Mike Norville's Florida State Seminoles, who are getting seven points from the Irish. I'm kind of torn on this pick here. Florida State's bringing in Mackenzie Milton, the former uh, University of Central Florida quarterback, uh, who led them to an undefeated season. Very impressive player, but off a, uh, a very serious leg injury. They, I don't even think they, they knew if he was going to play football again or be able to. So I'm definitely curious to see him play. I'm sure the building will be will be fired up. But Notre Dame's pretty good. I mean, they're they're always loaded with talent. I don't think Brian Kelly is is really much of a football coach, but I think Florida State still has some work to do. It's a little early in the year for Notre Dame to rip out the hearts of the fans of of the Irish, while the bandwagon Notre Dame fans take they can celebrate for for Week One. I'm going to take the Irish to. Beat, beat Florida State pretty good on, on Sunday night. What does that mean? You're laying the seven? Yeah, I'm laying the seven on Notre Dame. Oof, man, we've been on opposite sides. Not only am I not laying the seven, I'm taking the Knowles outright. Let's go. Let's go. Outright. I mean, I think you're discounting a couple really big things. The first one. You know, Seminoles clearly coming off a third straight losing season. They stink. They've stunk. They've been in shambles since Jimbo left for College Station. But this is a double tragedy game. You mentioned Mackenzie Milton. This guy's coming off an Alex Smith-like injury. They didn't even think he was going to be able to walk again. There was talk about an amputation, catastrophic leg injury. He's apparently healthy now, huge emotional boost to the team, although not the same team. So we'll see if this emotional boost still applies to the Seminoles. I think if it was UCF, you, you, you probably take them easily outright. But the, the second factor that you just totally blew off is this is a home game for Florida State in the wake of Bobby Bowden's death. Are you kidding me? Against Notre Dame? All the Notre Dame fans calling it Free Shoes University, first semester university. Florida State is going to be rocking at Doe Campbell. 
Yeah, that'll be a good one to watch. I just don't see it. They're they're just they're not trending uh, whatsoever. Those are definitely X factors that people are going to talk about all week leading up to this game. And then you're you're going to flip on the TV by the time you're done eating dessert, it'll be fourteen nothing Irish. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I've just I've just seen seen this game too many times. But fans I'm, in the stands, the chop going. Oh man. <laughs> If I didn't place the wager on the Irish, I'm I'm certainly rooting for Florida State because I'm a big fan of Milton and I'm not a big fan of, of the Irish whatsoever. But Notre Dame's the better team. It's a fair number and I, I think I think they can they can definitely cover it and get it done. Now what about Monday night? You talked about the bonus Sunday game. Are we gonna give people the bonus Monday night game? What's the bonus Monday night game? Oh my god, Louisville Ole Miss, Monday night, Labor wow. Day evening. You're throwing in a bonus game for me, too, because I wasn't ready for this one. Bonus game, 8 p.m. at the Mercedes-Benz, you know, Dome in Atlanta. Louisville versus Ole Miss. You know, every time I see Louisville, I just think it's Petrino, but it's not Petrino. Uh, Ole Miss is clearly going to score a ton. We'll see if Lane Kiffin can figure out the defensive side of the ball. The Rebels are laying nine and a half. I like Ole Miss. This kind of just sounds like... Without knowing anything about this game or, or really much about either team, it just sounds like I don't care what the total is. You just rip the over. I could get down with that. Right. I mean, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, I feel like they're always kind of playing a high-flying air raid. 75 and a half is the number. Easy over bet. Just let it rip. Sit back and, and just enjoy the show. Be like a 45-35 game. Exactly. Just sit back and enjoy and count those points. Now, do you have any uh, outstanding futures, win totals? Do you have any any uh, investments in that regard, Bob? Uh, I do. A couple big ones. Let's start with the win totals. I'll start with two teams that I like. The first one, Rutgers. Greg Schiano, the Scarlet Knights. Back. Take Rutgers over four and a half wins. They uh, they're going to start chopping. It's going to be a sixty minute chop. Shiano is ready to chop. The players are ready to chop. The fans will be back chopping. It's time to chop. Now, do you have one of those five wins for Rutgers against Penn State this year? I'm not quite sure. I'm looking at the the number. You know, I, clearly they're going to get one this Thursday against Temple. I think they absolutely rock Temple. I think they, they might knock off Penn State. I could totally see that. I mean, Shiano is a good football coach, and uh, I'm excited to see them take take a step forward here because I think when Rutgers is good, which isn't often, it's good for college football. I, I totally disagree that it's good for college football. I think they're, they're just an insignificant program, but it is what it is. You're invested. I'll root for you. And uh, – Looking forward to, to see what they can do, but if one of those wins is against, God, against the blue and white, we're in trouble. They're we're insignificant. In trouble. They're the first college to ever play college football, dude. <laughs> Doesn't matter now, man. Come on, man. That's that's your fun fact from Bomb for the day. The second team, and you're gonna hate me for this. The second team I like. They got a number of super seniors, including the quarterback. You got to remember. 
that these COVID rules have allowed a lot of guys to come back. And I like the signal caller, Kenny Pickett. Take Pitt over seven wins. Kenny Pickett. He's played some decent A- ball over the years. ACC stinks. They only have Clemson. Uh, you know, Pitt is always in that, you know, with, with, with last year notwithstanding and Notre Dame being in the quote-unquote ACC. You know, Pitt was always that weird team that played with, like, four losses in the title game. I think they win eight or nine games this year. Okay. And the total's at seven, correct? That's correct. All right. So those are your two over-under win totals? That's all I got there. I mentioned Miami earlier, you know, talking about the Bama game. But I'm going under nine and a half on Miami. But I do like that uh, King is back for another year at quarterback. Uh, I think that guy's a playmaker, but just not enough to to push them over the number there. The other team I'm looking at, we mentioned earlier, is the Iowa State Cyclones. Love Matt Campbell. That guy's a great coach. Kind of wish uh, the Nits would look his way. He's got, got a hell of a program at Iowa State. I believe their number's at 9.5. I'm going over there. So if you're going over on the Cyclones' win total, that only means one thing. What's that? That you must be including them in your final four as a representative of the now-defunct Big 12. Negative. Who were your final four? They got, they got one team on the schedule that they ain't going to get it done against, and that is the Oklahoma Sooners. So what, they lose two to the Sooners? Yeah. I mean, they got them, I think, as the last game of the regular season, so I'm counting that as a loss. And then if they get them again in the championship, that's two times. Wow. So who are your final four? I'm going chalk, man. I mean, if, I'd love to see the, the playoff expand. I don't know if that would make it any more or less interesting, but the the top crop of teams in college football is way above the rest. Got got to go chalk. You got to go Bama. Bama will be back. I guarantee it. Clemson will be back. And then the Oklahoma Sooners will will certainly be there. That's that's my pick this year. And I will, I'm going to round it out with with the Buckeyes. I don't I don't see see an L on the schedule for them honestly, unless. There's some divine divine miracle there. I mean, they'll, they'll break in the new quarterback. I think Stroud is the guy. They got a couple more workhorses at running back. Plenty of talent at the skill positions on the outside with Alave and then on defense. So it, it, it hurts to say. And I, I always root for variety and underdogs and, and something new. But if I'm going to make the picks, I'm going Chalk. I'm going Bama, Clemson, the Oklahoma Sooners, and the Buckeyes at Ohio State. And my champion, you know, I'm not going to seed them or give you the championship game, but my champion is Oklahoma. I think we get a new champion this year. Wow, Spencer Um, Rattler. Spencer Rattler, Heisman, Lincoln Riley rallies the boys, and and I think think this is their year before they, you know, get ready to to trek over the SEC where it ain't going to be so easy anymore. Well, I personally think this year is going to be utter chaos and lead to expansion. I think the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the ACC all get shut out from the college football playoff. Big 12? Wait, Big 12, Big 12, 12, Pac-12, and ACC all get shut out. 
Well, the Pac-12 always gets shut out. I think there's two teams from the SEC West. Alabama, Texas A&M. A team from the Big Ten in Ohio State. And a group of five, Cincinnati Bearcats go undefeated. I would love to see that. My champion this year is the Texas A&M Aggies. Shove it down the throats of all those Texas fans as they get riled up to come into the SEC in the next five years. Texas A&M wins the Natty this year and begins a four- to five-year run of recruiting domination in the state of Texas that will lead to Steve Sarkeesian being fired before he coaches in one SEC game as the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. Wow, that is bold. I love it. I would love to see it. So you think Jimbo's going to have the the boys going? New quarterback this year, though, right? Callum Mond's gone. It's Jimbo's time. Mond's gone. He's had time to get his players in place. He's done it before. Florida State won one, went, went back to the college football playoff with another team. And I just think the time is now. There, there's, there's been no better time for that team to take on the uh, Godzilla of the SEC like, like Bama. And I think one of those teams goes uh, undefeated and the other one loses that one loss in their division, doesn't play in the SEC title game and gets the, the, the at-large bid, so to speak. Can definitely see that happening. And I would love to see love, love to see A&M in the mix. And Cincinnati, by the way, I mean, they're playing Notre Dame at Notre Dame. So if there was ever a year for a group of five team to, to get in, th- this is the year. I think they return a lot of their guys. Fickle's the head coach. I mean, last year in that, that Sugar Bowl, they played Georgia. They outplayed Georgia. They should have won that game. There's some fluky stuff at the end. But hopefully the, the committee realizes if they if they go undefeated, you know, that team can hold up. I mean, they're, they're not as big. They're not as strong as some of these other teams. But we saw them pretty much dominate that game against Georgia and lose at the end with some like really bizarre clock management. Clock yeah, management they, situations. They, they did dominate that game. But you're going to you're going to need that Florida State money line wager to, to go south, unfortunately, if Cincinnati's projected win over Notre Dame is going to count for anything, you know? Well, and D can be a two-loss team. Yeah, that's true. Two-three-loss team, it's still going to Notre Dame. can still be a resume builder, right? Absolutely. Well, if, if we see Cincy and, and A&M, man, that, that would be cer- certainly be the change of pace that everybody's looking for. And I just want to say these aren't, these aren't just predictions. Bomb has hard-earned cash. On every single one of these playoff teams, I believe at the time of this recording, Cincinnati was plus, I believe, let's take a look, 15,000? To make the playoff? I believe so. Let's take a look. I might have my decimals wrong. Man, I might have to pull up DraftKings right now and fire that in. That's... If that's the number, that's a that's a hell of a price. Plus fifteen thousand, Cincinnati. And they're they get they got one one questionable game with Notre Dame, and the rest is the American and and some some other out of conference uh, easier guys. But yeah, I didn't even look at the conference schedule. They're 
out of conference schedule. They play Notre Dame coming off a two. It's a two week bye. They got they Indiana also have too, right? Indiana. Yeah. So I mean, talk about a resume building opportunity. There are two. There are two games that are out of conference or against two top twenty five, top fifteen type teams. I mean, if there was ever a year, that's that's the year. And that yeah. Notre Dame game, by the way, is coming off a two week bye. Wow, man, this really could be the year for the group of five, and that would be awesome. I'm rooting for it. I, I love the pick, and I'm rooting for it, Bob. I just, I'm just rooting for chaos. Yeah, we need it. College football needs it. I mean, if anything, sprinkle sprinkle a hundred on a hundred on Alabama, a hundred on Ohio State. Those are two teams that are likely going to win it, right? So you'll earn your money back. And then sprinkle 100 on the Bearcats. And if they pull off a miracle season, you know, you're looking at 15 grand. It's a great way to look at it. Somehow it doesn't always work out, though, right? No, as I said, I'm on A&M. But, um, yeah, at least, at least root for it. And then you can get a payout, right? You might be able to cash out early if Cincinnati gets, gets into, the, uh, into the mix. A little, little opportunity to hedge or, or cash out early if they get matched up with Bama and their 17-point dogs. Yeah, then you then you cash out, and then you take half of that money and put it on Cincy outright in the game. You got options when you got skin in the game. There's no doubt about that. Should I, should I wrap with, with my, with my game-by-game prediction for, for my Nittany Lions? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. We we'll keep it brief. Like I said earlier, I think I think the season hinges on on the game week one. I think if they win, it could be a totally different season. You could look at 10, 10 11 wins. But as I said earlier, I'm I'm not picking them week one. So I, I have them fall into Wisconsin. I got three straight wins uh, at home after that with Ball State, Auburn, and Villanova. Make it four. I have them avenging. <laughs> You're just gonna breeze through Auburn. <laughs> I mean, we're at an hour. I mean, I'm I'm keeping it brief. I don't think Auburn is is anything to write home about this year. I mean, it's a oh my god, the SEC <sighs> coming north. Yeah, last time that happened, I was in the building and and Rob Bolden was was chucking up ducks and we got smashed smashed by Alabama. Same state, so keep that in mind. Yeah. Nah, Ball State will be a win. I mean, that team's actually kind of good for the MAC, but I would really hope that we can handle them. Auburn, exciting having the SEC come north, as as Bomb alluded to. Uh, I think Penn State gets that one done. They're like a seven and a half point favorite as of today. You got Villanova come coming up uh, coming up the Turnpike or, or Interstate 80 to to get their teeth kicked in. So that that's gets us at three and one. They have Indiana at home. I have that as a win. Avenging last year's loss, so we're at four and one. After Indiana, they go to Kinnick Stadium at Iowa. I would anticipate probably a, a three thirty or a seven thirty eight p.m. kick there. Hostile environment. I feel like Penn State always wins that game. I don't think they do this year. They have Illinois at home after a bye. I have that as a win. Although Illinois got got the big dub over Scott Frost's uh, Cornhuskers this past weekend. So Penn State beats Illinois. The next week they go to the Horseshoe to play Ohio State. Not even going to try to talk myself into this one. That's that's a fat L. 
and I have another L the ensuing week. We talked about kind of the, the dream crusher game that this team always has, and, and when they lose the big game, they, they usually follow it up with another dud. I think they go down to Maryland and, and lose that as well. And then they have Michigan at home, Rutgers at home. I got two wins there. I think Michigan is – they're going to be done with Harbaugh sooner rather than later. That that program is, is trending so poorly, just not the powerhouse that they once were. Rutgers, Bomb, you might be pulling for the for the uh, the Scarlet Knights in this one, but I got Penn State winning here and then rounded out in East Lansing, Michigan State, another win there. So I got I got Penn State at eight and four. I believe that the win total for the Lions is eight and a half. I got them at eight. We'll see what happens. I'm I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping for a big win week one and building some momentum going through September, but I need Franklin and Clifford to prove it to me before I can pick them and back them so eight and four for the nits we'll see how i shake how it shakes out so they go eight and four is that a successful season in your eyes absolutely not would franklin what does franklin need to do this year well he's got he's got one of the top recruiting classes for 22 coming in so he's got he's got no you know no no warmth or 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 heat on a seat i don't think he's going anywhere but i think I think you got to go ten and two or eleven and one this year for for me to be happy. Oh I, think, I think I think I think ten and two is a successful year. I, I think ten wins is ten ten wins probably get you into a New, New Year's Six bowl, and it it ain't good enough. It's not elite as Franklin likes to talk about all the time. We're we're still we're still not there, even if if this season plays out as a best case scenario. And this is like, in my eyes, this is like a six or seven win team. If they get to nine, I'd, I'd be thrilled if I was a Penn Stater, but I'm not. So, yeah, nine's just not cutting it. I mean, after the debacle last year and all the hype this this summer and, and this training camp about all the all the talent and all these guys coming back, you hear it every summer and how the offensive line's going to be better and they end up blocking each other it's I, I just i just can't believe it till i see it you got anything else you want to you want to dive into bomb all good he's all good folks i think that puts a wrap on episode five of thoughts from the shade enjoy the games this weekend football is back praise the lord and enjoy and we'll be back next week to to recap week one in college and, and look forward to week one in the nfl